in-depth conversations, matchup breakdowns, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dunlap. Crowley, Dunlap, fourth down in the Steel City. We'll get to T.J. Watt coming up here in a second and what the Steelers need to do in his absence to consider it a success. Colin, do you get the same feeling when the Patriots come to town without Tom Brady? I don't, but it's not totally gone either since Bill Belichick's here. I can feel the hate, kind of like in Star Wars. It's starting to course through me a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's not the same as with Brady, but it's not far off. It's still the Patriots. It's still – you look, I think they're frauds and they cheated under Belichick and Brady. And so while at least one of them is employed by the New England Patriots, I'll still have that feeling like they took something away from this organization that I don't know if the organization would have attained or obtained, but they never had the true chance to reach the heights they may have because it was nefariously uh, taken away from them. Yeah, I'm happy you went there. We'll get to the T.J. Watt stuff in a minute. It's a podcast. We can do whatever we want. Podcast, baby. Podcast. Mm -hmm. Cordell Stewart was on the station this week, and he said when he would make checks in that 2001 AFC Championship game that the Patriots knew exactly what the Steelers were going to do. And he said that that wasn't the case with other teams. They wanted to get a beat on it. They thought they might know, but they didn't know. When Cordell Stewart says that, truthful guy, someone who played in the game, cost that guy a ring, right? When he says that, that matters to me. Because as a fan, that was one of the first games that I really remember having that heartbreak. Because I was 11 years old. I just remember the heartbreak, the upset, how upset everybody was. And it can affect me that way. But when you've got Cordell Stewart and you got... You got Chris Hoke saying similar things and maybe even a little stronger in on it, even than Cordell went. It mattered to those guys that the Patriots cheated. Of course it mattered to those guys. So it should matter to us. Yes. I mean, if the guys who were the combatants and playing in the games say we should never forget about this, then why shouldn't it be a trickle down thought to the people who weren't playing in the games? I, I can't buy that it should be a trickle up that players should feel some way because the fans feel some way. Mm. But I 100% always buy a trickle down that if the people who were involved in it intimately or were the actual players feel like if I told you that in any other room, if I told you that the Steelers walked off the practice field and the Steelers players said, you know what? Jalen Warren should be our running back because he's better. <laughs> who, who are we to question that? Or if I told you that the players walked off the field and they said, you know what, ex-Johnny-named position coach, he's not a very good coach. So, so so then who are we to question that? On the flip side of it, when fans yell and scream, well, maybe Jalen Warren might be better, and the players go, no, 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 that's not the case, then it's not worth a hill of beans. Yeah, This is a case of the trickle down. The players are telling us how they feel. In every other instance in football and in sports, we take it as gospel. Why shouldn't we hear why shouldn't we be as mad as them? Yeah, we should. 100% we should. Especially given how much better that Steelers team in 01 was than those Patriots, I believe. And they certainly were over the course of the regular season. 04, obviously, 
was a game that was in question, the AFC Championship. And the Patriots were great. There's no doubt about that. They had won 21 consecutive regular season games at that point. They were undoubtedly a tremendous team. But part of that's because of the cheating. How much of it because of the cheating? Not so sure. But at least a part of it was because of the cheating. The Steelers had thumped them already. And then you lose in the playoffs. The Steelers were 10-point favorite against New England in 2001. And then you lose in the playoffs. And you were down big in that game. You can play bad. That happens. You look at 1994. These things do happen, but I can't I can't get the taste out of my mouth that at least the Steelers have at least one more AFC championship, if not at least one more Super Bowl championship. If this if the Patriots didn't cheat, how can how can I be wrong when the players feel the same way? Those Steelers teams were that good. It's not like the Jets were bitching about it. Who gives a rip if the Jets bitched about it? I know Mangini called. Who cares? F you, Mangini. Appreciate all the help, but nobody cares. You, oh, we can't beat the Patriots. You know who? You know who should care? You know who is aggrieved more than any other team in the in the sport by Spygate? Pittsburgh freaking Steelers. I'm still mad. Right. Now I'm all now I'm all gassed up. Well, go with it because, like, I'm I, I'm with you on all this. I don't understand why it went away so easily, and why again, if it was if it was baseball, they'd be mired in it and never be able to dig their way out of it. I don't get that either. Like Barry Bonds ain't going to be in the Hall of Fame. Tom Brady, he's he was he was in the Hall of he's in the Hall of Fame. Like he's not really there, but he's there. They've already made the bust. They're just deciding on how skinny to make the face. He, I don't understand that. He's going to be on TV making more than just about any player in the NFL whenever he retires from football. Meanwhile, Barry Bonds, the Marlins hired him and were like, eh, I, don't, I don't know about this. And the league was like, eh. I don't understand why it gets it's sticky in baseball. But the New England Patriots, oh, they're the six-time Super Bowl champs. And there's just no asterisk. Yeah. I, and again, the other part of it too is if you look at it, Brady and Belichick were found guilty of their respective league on something more than Barry Bonds ever was in his respective league. It, as much as we can speculate about Bonds and probably accurately – they, they, they never got him. Right. That's That, to me, is fact. And the way that Tom Brady – and I don't have anything personal against Tom Brady. I, I know people that played with him, and they love him. They, they die with him as a teammate, and they, they, they absolutely love him. So I don't have anything um, – I have a lot of admiration for him as a player, actually. <clears throat> Excuse me, when he's playing on the up and up. But the true fact of the matter is that Spygate – and you could – Forget Deflategate. I, Deflategate, it doesn't, I don't even care about it. Let's just talk about Spygate. Both Belichick and Brady, they achieved things that were greater than the number zero than they would have achieved otherwise. Thus, why do I have to accept it as not affecting the outcomes of games, number one, and two, their legacy, more importantly in this case? Well, and... They were caught, and yeah, there was punishment and significant punishment, but they got they get to keep the rings, they get to keep the trophies, and you don't hear it talked about when they're brought up. When the Astros are brought up, well, pff, those guys, they 
Yeah, they won. They cheated. The Patriots, it's just six Super Bowls. Tom Brady, GOAT. Bill Belichick, GOAT. And I guess I better just make my peace with it not being a thing anymore. Like I well, no, I, I don't think that's fair. I don't you why should you have to come around to what the national narrative is or what even some people's narrative in this town is or thought not narrative, but thought process in this town is. I, I think and again I get back to the trickle down. It's perfectly fine and for me acceptable and even more so the right thing to do if the people who actually played in those games feel that way. Why should I feel any differently? Well, and we talked about Cordell. Man, Cordell had a tough time here, and, and things things were not easy for Cordell for a while. Some of it was he didn't play great at times, but Cordell at other times was a marvel. Imagine how things change for Cordell and the way that he's remembered and perceived around here in his career if they win that game in 01 <laughs> and they win the Super Bowl and they beat the Rams. We're, we're talking about Cordell Stewart as hands down the third best quarterback then in Steelers history and some of the ugly stuff that happened with him. You can, he wouldn't forget, but it might feel a little bit better. If you win a championship, Bill Cowher couldn't win an AFC championship game to save his life at a time. And uh, not at home. And he, they cheated and took two away from him. Well, perception never won another one. Yeah, you're right about that. A thousand percent. Perception is also molded largely by, or at least in those generations, it's getting away from this a little bit uh, because of social media, but it was perception was molded by mainstream media in those generations where we're drawing a parallel between Mm. Barry Bonds and um, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And the biggest, not the biggest, one of the biggest problems I have, there's a large crossover section of men who are now, men and women who are now about in their 60s or 70s that were national columnists at the time that covered both situations and vilified the baseball steroid people, but allowed Tom Brady to be Captain America on the other side of his cheating scandal. And it is some of the biggest hypocrisy that you'll ever see where people will actively to this day to their dying they say i'll never let someone like roger clemens or barry bonds mm-hmm. hell it happened in the same city if you look at some of the boston journalists that some of those i'll never let roger clemens in the hall of fame but wait tom brady well no, that's fine they just got caught us some of the people were out to get them or whatever they paid their fine it is some in again that was before largely social media both things so what was shaped our thoughts and our processes, and in one instance, the voting procedures, the Hall of hmm. Fame in baseball, which were the mainstream media. And there was a large crossover of national and even regional and city columnists and how some of these people could look at the situations and have such divergent opinion on them is just criminal. It's criminal to me. It really is. I think that's a good deep look, and I also wonder if it's just so much easier, simplicity-wise, to look at what McGuire and Sosa and Bonds did and say, okay, guy sticks needle in his ass, guy gets big, guy hits home runs, hey, that needle's the reason why he hit home runs. Meanwhile, Patriots accused of filming sidelines, accused of of using signs and signals to know what the opposition was doing. It's harder to quantify what that meant, maybe in the minds of some, 
than Sosa and Bonds and McGuire and what steroids would do for them with their veins popping out of their wrists. Yeah, Maybe. and, you know, I don't mean to call out Ron Cook, but he's the personification of that in our city. This is a guy who refuses, refuses to vote, to vote for Barry Bonds or give any of the steroid guys, so to speak, a vote in the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. That's understandable. I understand your stance. I don't agree with it. I can understand it. But then in the next breath, he's perfectly willing to call Tom Brady the greatest quarterback and Belichick the greatest coach, <laughs> the greatest coach who ever lived. Is cheating cheating or is it not? I, I don't know how you can separate it. I don't. I know. Uh, it's, it's, I'm trying to peel back the onion, but I, I don't know. I don't know how people can go one way so hard and the other way go so soft on it. I just don't. Yeah. Uh, it's, <sighs> it's, it's mesmerizing to me. And I don't think <laughs> – I don't think that Brady nor Belichick will ever, from a legacy standpoint – I mean, they should be – they should be there with Lance Armstrong. Like they should be there with Barry Bonds and people of that ilk and, and Altuve. And the fact that they're able to circumnavigate that whole, uh, that whole crocodile filled water is wild to me. Yeah. It's a neat trick. <laughs> it really is. And they would do it again because pff, people forget or people don't care. And right. they're, they're stacked up with trophies. Coming up next, we will get to that TJ Watt question. What do the Steelers need to do in his absence? We'll predict this game as well. I like the under. I'll, I'll give you a little bit on the front end. It's fourth down in the Steel City. Conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with your hosts Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. It's fourth down in the Steel City. Game number two coming up this weekend between the Steelers and the New England Patriots. Colin. I can see you can hardly contain your excitement. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. No, I mean, I, I am. Let's go. It's week one. Come on. It's Dude. the Patriots. It's week, Mac home, Jones. Home opener. Week one. What am I talking about? I mean, the home opener. It is the home opener. Acrisure Stadium. There's nothing about this that's the same as it used to be. It's Acrisure. It's Mac Jones. It's Mitch Trubisky. It ain't exactly like Tom Brady versus Ben Roethlisberger at Heinz Field, but it's football, so I guess... We'll make do with what we got. Right. Did the Steelers, before we get into this one, did the Steelers luck into the victory that they picked up in week number one, Colin? Um, well, I find this very interesting when people said they luck into one, okay? Uh, because that they often play that card whenever the offense doesn't have a really great performance huh. or they don't, they aren't really good. So is that dismissing 50% of the ball or the other half of the ball? I don't think it was lucky what the defense did. They sure forced the issue, and there was a lot of skill involved and a lot of taking the game to Cincinnati there. So, no, I mean, did the offense, were they good? No, they weren't good. They weren't good at all. But they got the football largely as a result of skill by the defense, 
and it's a holistic team effort. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because I didn't know which way you were going to take that. But I've been saying that for a long time, that if you are a team that's got a great defense, you're looked at in the NFL these days as, eh, we'll see. But let's say, let's say there was a team in the league that was as good on offense as the Steelers are on defense and as bad as the Steelers are on offense on their defense. I think that team would be looked at more as a Super Bowl contender than the Steelers. Hmm. Run. If there was a team that was as bad on defense as the Steelers are on offense and mm-hmm. just super great on offense. Correct. The inverse of these Steelers. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of one. Um, how good was that Kurt Warner Rams team um, on defense? I can't really think of many guy guys that they had. I'm right. sure I'll get smacked over the head. Someone will tweet and say, I'm sure, but I'm just thinking of a wide open offense that was just like, you, you know, know there's Colts teams that, that struggled oh, yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. Really good One call. Two. Or essentially any big 12 team that's ever played college football. Yeah. Um, and then trying to win a national championship. There would be romanticism. If people say defense wins championships and people love grid and this and that, but those people are all dead. People love throwing the football around the yard and people romanticize now and celebrate and fall in love with offense. I so think, I right. think they would look at those and say the defense just needs to make a couple stops because it not what's wrong with the defense. Oh my gosh. How are they going to get it together? They just need to make a couple stops is how they would phrase it. Yeah. You're right about that. And it used to be not that way. It, it used to be, if you had a good enough unit defensively, offensively, whatever, wow, this team could be pretty good. They're elite on that one side of the ball. Well, I don't think people look at it that way anymore. And we had a couple of people on today on the fan morning show. I believe it was Lee Sterling, who is a gambling expert. Yes. And he said that the Patriots and the Steelers, he has both another mediocre teams. Both these teams can flat out play defense. And does it make me odd? Does it make me kind of weird that I'm sort of looking forward to that game? to this game this weekend because of that. And maybe, yeah, the bad offense is fine, but <laughs> I'm kind of looking forward to a defensive tussle. Perhaps this one ends three to two, Colin. Or are you flipping it the other way? Are you saying defensive tussle, but you mean a battle of offense and aptitude, offensive ineptitude? I think this game will feature both my friend. Yeah. 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 Um, I agree with you. I'm actually looking forward. Well, you know why? I'll tell you exactly why. And it's interesting you brought that up because won't you want to celebrate more if the Steelers do show some offensive aptitude and some ability to move the football? And you also like you're waiting to be surprised and you want to be you want to celebrate that. Like you want to see them move the football and you go, oh, okay. so now my what I thought was a given going into this, it's really not the case. And maybe they do have it in there. Like there is that temptation in that, that dangling carrot out there. I wonder if I would love to see that. And I would love for that to spark something in me, some sort of belief in me in the Steelers offense. Right. I don't know what it'll take for me to get there to actually buy in because 
I can't remember the last time the Steelers played a good offensive game. I, I don't think they really played one last year. They opened things up in the second half against Minnesota, but they were already out of it. And Oh, wow, they're putting up points and yards. This is crazy. Okay, well, all for naught. Same thing with the Chargers. I guess there's a couple of examples there. But really, I mean, you think about it. The last two years, plus the beginning now of this season, it's just been one game. I don't know what it'll take for me to believe wow, this Steelers defense has it going. They've got Moxie. They're moving in the right direction. I'd have to see it probably for three or four straight weeks. Um, well, there's a difference because I can believe it now at the beginning of a season until I don't see it because you don't have a body of work to work off of other than the one game that you just played. So when they come out of the gate and they play that well, like the defense did, then I'll believe they're pretty darn good until I see that they aren't pretty darn good. Because all they, the only case study they have is week one. Oh, I'll believe in the defense because I sort of have confirmation bias because we believe that the defense would be good coming in oh, and then they the go offense, out and they show. Yeah, as far as the oh, offense. No, the offense needs to give me a month of being good. Yeah, I, I don't I know. I must have misheard you. Um, yeah, the offense needs to show me a month of being good and they need to show me an ability to – and it doesn't have to be a last-second drive or winning the game at the end. Just an ability to make first downs when they need to. And also, they need to at least show me one or probably two times an ability to close out a game, to make the play to end the game, to, to have seven minutes on the clock and be up five and go kick a field goal to make it eight, you know? What I agree with that. What do you make of Matt Canada being asked about utilizing the middle of the field and then basically giving the Gettysburg address, hoping that all of us would forget what the question was? It was an odd situation the other day from the Steelers offensive coordinator. Man, I've been thinking about this a lot today and a lot this afternoon before we take this here. And it's almost like, you know what I keep envisioning? I envision like those NATO or OPEC meetings where there are all these people sitting in this gigantic sort of courtroom, boardroom-looking place, and somebody from, I don't know, Cutter asks a question, and then they flash to somebody from Iceland or Poland or, uh, you know, the Philippines or something, and they have those earpieces in, and it's translating into their language what was said, and everybody's wearing those big earpieces. You know what I'm talking about in those big meeting rooms? But... It's almost like his got turned off and the translation was what he got was totally wrong between what the question was asked and what he thought was asked. Like he answered a different question. He did. It was really weird. And it wasn't a difficult question to answer. If he wanted to be vague, he could have been vague. He could have said, eh, Cincinnati wasn't giving us the middle of the field. He could have said, you know what? We were really protecting the football, and so we were risk-averse. And that might not be sexy, but that's what we were doing. He could have given a million different reasons other than what he gave, which wasn't a reason. It was, oh, you're talking about that? Well, now I'm going to bring up third down. Let's talk about third down. Third down's where we need to be better. I'm really wondering, and I don't want this to sound like an excuse for Matt Canada because he got some excuses last year because it was Ben. He has some even now because the offensive line. But with Randy Feetner, they didn't attack the middle of the field. Ben's penultimate season. They didn't attack the middle of the field last year. 
I do wonder if Mike Tomlin is telling his offensive coordinators, given the strength of the defense and given the foibles of the offense, don't attack the middle of the field. Keep the ball out of harm's way. And then these offensive coordinators, they say, the best case scenario then is we're not going to put it in the middle of the field because that is where we feel is the most risky place. Do you think it could be an edict from Mike Tomlin saying, let's be careful here? Uh, It could be, but if it is, it's nonsense either way. If it's an edict, it's nonsense that it's an edict to not use the middle of the field. If it is by design and it isn't an edict and it's simply just part of the game plan, then it's nonsensical to not use the middle of the field when you can make a lot of hay in there. Um, For me, the fact-finding mission on why, sure, that's important, but the how and how you win and it not being utilized, that's the more important portion to all this, and that's the part I don't understand. You can attack the middle of the field and still not put the ball in harm's way. Correct. And that's what they need to do. You, you're you not going to – I don't think you're going to have success running the ball. I think a lot of folks – and I heard Chris Hoke do this the other day on 93.7 The Fan whenever he was on with Cook and Joe. A lot of people seem to say – run the ball, and then that opens up play action, and then you can utilize the middle of the field. I think you might have to go about it the other way. Throw the ball into the middle of the field, and then that allows you to run, and then it can start to open things up. That's what I think. But it doesn't have to be – I would love to see them use the tight ends in the seams because they got good tight ends. I would love to see that. It doesn't have to be that way. You can have a guy – you could have – not Juju anymore, Chase Claypool, who they want to utilize in this slot. Boom, curl route, bang, middle of the field, 10 yards down the field. Oh, my Oh my goodness. Wow. Can you believe that? You don't have to put the ball in a dangerous situation to expand the territory that you're attacking. You just don't. Well, for me, this seems like one of those times, and I don't know if there have been many, but they actually do miss Juju. That's the role in which he played where – you use the middle of the field to throw the football to him. He leverages the middle of the field. You get it to him, you get it quick. And I think he would, I think Juju would actually help in this offense with this quarterback more than he helped in the previous offense with the previous quarterback. Yeah, I buy that. I also think that the last game was, should have been in or should be instructive on for Mitch Trubisky, let me put it this way. I think it should be instructive for Mitch Trubisky on knowing that these are guys who can make plays for you. I mean, Deontay Johnson went up, and he snagged that ball with one hand. He got both feet down on the sideline. It was an awe moment, a wow moment. Chase Claypool, middle of the field. You throw it behind him. He slides. He still gets one hand up, brings the ball down. George Pickens, he's made plays like that in camp and in the preseason. You can put the ball up where only those dudes can get it. Even Deontay Johnson and his diminutive size. You can go out there and you can throw the ball and you can put it in a situation where it might, you might feel a little dirty, might feel a little risky, and it ain't because your guy's better than their guy. Like Your offensive line's not better than their guys, but your receivers are better than their guys. <laughs> yeah, I agree to that. And here's the deal. Let's take some guys. Let's take Pickens. Hmm? Let's take Claypool. Let's take Deontay Johnson. Let's take Najee Harris, even. Like, whenever you look at those guys, don't you trust in a 50-50 situation? Like, you just pointed out that those guys are simply better than the other guy. At least they're – Friar Muth as well. They're paid in a position, and they're drafted in a position, and they're placed in a position, and they're built 
by what their billing is to us at least that they should be better than the person most of the time if not all the time that are matching up against them so why wouldn't you put them in a situation to simply try to win a 50 50 ball or 50 50 competition yes and i think you're playing new england this week they're, they're a bad offense but they they got a pretty good defense okay fine whatever then you're playing Cleveland. Then mm-hmm. you're playing the Jets. You don't have TJ Watt right now. You've got three games, all winnable, even without your best player. You might be able to get by right now not playing great offense. There's going to come a moment where you're going to have to win a game where you got to put some points up. Now, maybe the reality is you're just not going to win those games. When another team gets into the mid-20s, maybe that's what winds up happening. You're just going to lose. But... If this team wants to go from one that could be in the playoff conversation to one that can win a playoff game, I'm not saying that Mitch Trubisky and this offense are shackled now. I'm not even saying you got to open it up and go Mike Leach, A-Raid, throw it 70% of the time. You are going to have to open it up a little bit more than what we saw in week one. And should we give them more time to do that before we crush them? Because we've been pretty hard a little bit on Matt Canada already. Yeah, we have been. I don't, should we give them a little bit more time? Um you know, I don't know. I guess because it's a different quarterback. But what has Mitch Trubisky showed you that he shouldn't be trusted trying to get the ball in the middle of the field? He's got zero turnovers as a Steeler preseason, regular season. Yeah, so I don't know. if No, if he doesn't do it this game and make a – and also in the first preseason game, Matt Matt Trubisky, Matt Canada rolled the pocket with Trubisky. He did it with Pickett as well. He got his quarterback out in space and he utilized the middle of the field. So that being said, like maybe one more game is it, but you got to see it sooner rather than later. Yeah, you do. And they can win these next couple of games without TJ Watt. They really can. Um, but I think let's say they, let's say they start four and let's say they win mm-hmm. those games and it looks like it did against Cincinnati. I'm happy because they're winning. I'm happy because I think you start four and really good chance. You're going to make the playoffs. But it's going to feel an awful lot like it did a couple of years ago if they are winning this way. Because we've already seen that's not how you get it done in today's NFL. All right, coming up next, TJ Watt. He's going to miss at least four games. He's been placed on IR. Maybe he misses six games at any rate. What do the Steelers need to do in his absence for it to be considered a success. We'll get to that next. Fourth down in the Steel City continues. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Steelers, Patriots, Mac Jones, Mitch Trubisky, Acrisure Stadium, Sunday, 1 p.m. It's still weird, man. It's just weird. It's just weird. Trubisky v. Mac Jones, just Patriots, Steelers can do it for me. It's like college football. You know what? I'll liken it to this. I hate teams in college football. It's hard to hate players because you cycle through them every four or five years. When I hear Patriots, I go, yeah, those bastards. When I hear Mac Jones, I sort of chuckle to myself, like, that's your guy? Okay. All right, here we go. Akersher. Akersher. You're asking me what I think about Akersher. 
I'm not asking you what you what I what you think about Acrisure. I just it's things have changed so quickly. When yeah. the Patriots came in here just a few yeah. years ago, Joe Hayden's picking off Tom Brady. The place is going nuts. I did a post game show. I was walking down the steps and I try to be professional and I couldn't help but smile ear to ear because the win kept the Steelers in the playoff hunt and they had beat Brady at home and it had been so long and there was unbridled joy in the stairwell of at the time Heinz Field and now it's Trubisky v. Jones at Acrisure and life just it comes at you fast. You better right, stop like, and look around once in a while. I look out there on the field and I still I think Lawyer Malloy's out there. Like what's what's happening? Oh, man. You know? Um <laughs> <laughs> guys were guys were wider then. It it feels like the pad. Maybe it was just the pads. Like Lawyer Malloy was looked at like two times the size he actually was because his shoulder pads were so big. It does happen fast. There really aren't many combatants. I mean, Cam Hayward's really the only link to well Mike Tomlin to some degree, but there's not a whole lot of links to the past left or oh, even man. the recent past. I mean, even the Jesse James game. Uh, I mean, Boswell and Hayward, and I mean, Tuitt's gone, and a lot of those guys are just not around anymore. Ben's gone. Pouncey's gone. The whole offensive line's gone. Um, Holy cow, dude. They're all gone. Right. Right. Think They're of the Jesse James game. That's just a couple of years ago. Every and one of them. It just Cam Hayward is the only one, right? I think that was TJ's rookie year. Yeah, TJ probably. Watt. It was TJ Watt's rookie year because James Harrison left. Right. Right. And he was all bitchy. So, but I mean. Think of it in that context. Does that blow your mind a little bit? It does, and and Mason Rudolph was he around yet? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I wonder, and they can't have when when Bill Belichick talked about Steelers Patriots this week. He said it's always felt like a division game to us because we used to play them every year. Both teams were finishing in first place. It can't possibly be the case, but. For a long time, if you would ask Steelers fans who they hate the most, not the biggest rival, but who they hate the most, they would have said they hated the Patriots the most, I think. Biggest rival, Baltimore, who they hate the most, Patriots. I wonder what Patriots fans feel of Steelers fans. How do they feel about the Steelers? Do they hate the Steelers? Because um, the Steelers, when did they ever get them when they, when they really, when <laughs> it really mattered? Can I say that pe people who were fans of the Brady Patriots when they had it going probably felt like Alabama fans and that they really didn't have one true rival that everybody every week was just out to get them. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that's my take on it, that they felt like they, that they got everybody's best shot. You're right about that. I just it's, – it's odd to me because the Steelers have been – the Bengals big brother and they've been the Browns big brother. And even at the apex with the Ravens and the Steelers, the Ra the Steelers still got the Ravens more often than the Ravens got them in the regular season. And especially in the playoffs, right? This is not that way. And I know the way that this town has treated new England and the vitriol and the hatred, the pure hatred. And I just imagine if I walk down the street of Boston in a Patriot in a, in a, excuse me, a Steelers Jersey, like back when this thing was cooking every year, I wonder if anybody probably would have said something because they're pricks in Boston, but I wonder if anybody cares. Meanwhile, if you were a Tom Brady guy wearing a Tom Brady jersey here at the time, someone might have thrown a trash can at you. Right. Or, I mean, that happens in Houston generally. But, yeah, I, I think that you may have. That may have happened. But I just think that the Patriots probably looked at 
the whole NFL as their rivals. Yeah. Everybody, especially the AFC. You know, um, it's a it's an interesting dynamic. I bet they felt like Alabama. Yeah. I bet they did. Just bulletproof too. Yeah, heck yeah. Because the league couldn't stop them, even when they didn't act above board. That I will. I think Eli Manning is a dumb-looking son of a bitch. Like he, like we, I was watching Peyton try to call timeouts the other night on the Manning cast, and Eli's just there with his mouth open, just looking all dazed at the screen. But I'll love that guy forever because hey, if the Steelers weren't going to stop the Patriots, somebody needed to. In that 07 team, I think that 07 team was the best football team I've ever laid my two eyes on. I'm 31, just for context. That's the best football team I've ever seen. That they didn't win the Super Bowl is forever funny to me. Yeah, it is. It's it's nuts. If you go back and you really do a study in it, just how good they were. TJ Watt, he's going to miss at least four games. That's what mm-hmm. it means when you're placed on IR. Now he can come back after four. It's been reported he could miss six games back by the end of October, perhaps. We'll see. Colin, what do the Steelers need to do in his absence what's what would be considered a success i'll put it to you that way it doesn't matter how many games two four six eight ten five hundred five hundred football without tj watt that's uh what you can kind of hang on to the life preserver and hope for if he was out the rest of the season and they went 500 they'd be nine and eight and they'd have a shot at the playoffs so even well, if you stretch it out that nine far, and eight uh, no 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 they'd be eight eight and one well, no, because they already won a game. Or they'd be eight and eight. You can't nine and eight can't be five hundred. Oh, you'd be nine and eight in in totality, not right. the rest of the way. Right. You're right about that. So you know what, Colin? Guy. They Mr. could do Matt it. Guy. They could still make the playoffs without what if you go five hundred. <laughs> I I'm with you. I will say like it doesn't matter the games. You're right, but I think it kind of matters the games a little bit. Like I think you need to get if you can win two of these next three. That's so big because. It's Jets. It's these Patriots. And you know you're going to be in it because both these teams are are not good offensively and really good defensively. And then it's the Browns without Jacoby – or, excuse me, without whatever their massage parlor quarterback's name is. You've got Jacoby Brissett. So you, you're going to have a chance to be in all three of these games, and you got a chance to win all three of these games. If you can win two out of these three – I think that really sets you up to be in a good place. You'd be almost playing ahead of schedule if the goal is to go 500 without what? I think you're playing ahead of schedule if you win this week with two AFC wins and one in the division already. Yeah. That's my thought. I, I Look, you can't go in the tank from here and lose three in a row, but I think you're playing ahead of schedule if you win the first two weeks. Um, one without, you know, kind of not figuring out, one without an offense at all and two without TJ Watt. Vegas certainly agrees with you. Yes. They were underdogs to Cincinnati. They're underdogs at home. And that line is ticked back up to the Patriots two and a half. Uh, they're underdogs at home to New England. I I don't I don't get that. I really don't. Must it it must be all predicated on Belichick after a loss. Okay. Where's Tom Brady? That's eh, kind of a big deal to me. Right. On that topic, briefly before we give our predictions, we talked about this on the fan morning show. I think it's interesting. Who do you think is going to have more success in the NFL? If you're projecting out the, the there's no Brady or Roethlisberger for the first time in a game between these teams since 1998, Mac Jones or Kenny Pickett, the franchise guys, who do you think has got the leg up? Mitch Trubisky. Um, I <laughs> nerdy dog. I just, 
I'm the last guy to be sold on Kenny Pickett as an NFL quarterback. It's no knock on him. I just, I, I just, I don't know if it's going to work here. Um, Mac Jones was 10 and seven as a rookie. He was. I don't think he was too terrible. I think we'll make it out to be like he was just okay. But right now, I don't know how you don't look at it and say he was 10 and seven as a rookie. Now, Kenny Pickett hasn't had an at bat yet. So it's tough to understand what his batting average is going to be. But I know Mac Jones is. You know what? And that's exactly. Not how I would have said it, but that's exactly my thought. If you make me pick between Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett, who's going to be a guy who can be the franchise quarterback of their respective teams, I'm going to go with the guy who's done it in the NFL before. That's much right. more projectable. He he threw for 7.3 yards per attempt last year, which was just two ticks off of Patrick Mahomes. I'm not comparing him to Mahomes, but apart from that one game where he handed the ball off 7,800 times, he was actually throwing the ball down the field a little bit. Uh, certainly more than Ben Roethlisberger did last year. Not that that's some grand achievement. So I'll go Mac Jones. I think Kenny Pickett's got a chance to be a good NFL quarterback. I was impressed by his preseason. He was doing things I didn't think he would do in terms of getting the ball out of his hand quick. But I'm going to go with the guy who has already done it and already won at this level before. Colin, who you got and why? Steelers, Pats. Oh, it was 2018, 21-18 Steelers. Um, I got him because I think Trubisky will be better. I think he'll actually be the best player in the field. I think they'll use the heck out of Fryermuth. And I think that Unbelichickian, they will have a special teams error. Mm, well, they lost Gunner, and we but know how valuable that man up. is. That might be it. That this is it. This is the long play. You got Gunner, you beat the Patriots. Simple as that. I'll go the other way though. I just I can't I can't get the offenses out of my head. And maybe I've just sat on it too much. Maybe I've thought about how bad the Steelers offense is and actually made it worse in my head than it really was in real life because they did win the game and Trubisky did make plays. But I got New England winning this one 13 to 10. I think defense rules today. Hey, ball could bounce one way or the other. Think it's going to be a tight game. Think it's going to be an under game. But I think the Steelers, they go on the road next Thursday against Cleveland at one and one. Colin, this has been fun. My microphone, it, it crapped out in the middle. The people didn't need to know that, but I'm all about honesty, my man. Gotcha. Perfect. We're all good. We got it squared away. Colin, I would like to give you a headbutt like the football players yeah, do, yes. but we're not in the same place. Good show. We'll get a reaction up for you on Monday. And then quick turnaround as the Steelers take on the Browns on Thursday. Thanks to Greg Finley. You've been listening to Fourth Down. Woo! In the Steel City. <laughs>